everybody. Welcome to Home Recording Made Easy and the HomeRecordingMadeEasy.com podcast. This is episode one, our very first episode. My name is David Vignola. This week's topic, what is mastering? Do I need to master music before I send it out for the world to hear? Well, that's a great question. I get that question all the time. We're going to talk about that this week, and I'm going to give you some tips and tricks to help you master music in your home studio. And we're also going to talk about what mastering is not. So stay tuned for that. On this week's mailbag, I'm going to answer a couple of your questions that came in. And also at the end of the show, I'm going to give you a free gift. So make sure you stay tuned to the end of the show to take advantage of that free gift. So now let's talk about the topic of mastering right here at HomeRecordingMadeEasy.com podcast. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about mastering. So the first question um, that I get all the time, or one of the questions I should say I get a lot um, through email and through YouTube, and people that have seen some of my YouTube videos around mastering, is people are confused, especially beginners to recording and mixing music. They're kind of confused about the mastering process. Um, so first thing I want to address is what is mastering? For people that don't know, I know a lot of you know um, that there is a process called mastering and that all the professional commercial releases by my favorite artists, they're mastered but they're not really sure what the mastering process really is. So in a nutshell, what mastering is, is mastering is where you take a collection of songs or a body of music, collection of songs, and you make them sound cohesive together from both a compression and more importantly, an EQ perspective and a volume perspective. So what does that really mean? Well, Imagine this, you're recording a, an EP or a full CD's worth of music, you know, six, eight, ten songs, and they're all recorded at different times. They may even be recorded in different studios. They're all probably mixed at different times. They may be mixed by different people. And if you were to listen to those songs individually on their own, they may sound fantastic. But when you put them in, um, the, in the order of, let's say, like a playlist or like a CD list, song one to song two to song three, et cetera, et cetera, they don't sound uniform together. Maybe track one, the first song sounds uh, it's a little bit more bass heavy. It's got a real uh, a, a much more um, prominent low end. It may even be a little bit louder than volume. Then, whereas in song two, uh, maybe it sounds a little bit brighter than song one. It has a the EQ in and of itself sounds brighter, sounds a little bit thinner. And then maybe you get to song three, and song three tends to have a more maybe a more scooped sound in the EQ, and maybe the the drums um, aren't as uh, as uh, as loud in the mix. You get the idea. So when you listen to those songs back to back to back, song one, song two, song three, they sound vastly different or can sound vastly different. And the reason for that is because, again, they could have been recorded at different times in different studios by different engineers, could have been mixed by different people, so on and so forth. So what the mastering process does in and of a nutshell, and again, I'm simplifying this for everybody. You can get a lot more technical, but we're not going to do that in this episode, is we want to take that body of music and from an EQ perspective, especially, and a volume perspective, especially, we want that those songs, when you were to play them one song after the other, back to back to back, that they all have the same relative volume level or perceived volume level. In other words, song one doesn't sound uh, much louder or quieter than song two, right? So when you don't have to have your hand on the volume knob on your playback device, because as soon as you go from one song to the other, it gets super loud and blows your ears out. And also we want it to sound from an EQ perspective. We want it tonally to sound um, 
similar or relatively the same. So when you play these songs back to back, they sound like they belong together. They sound like they might've been recorded all on the same day, all at the same time, mixed by the same person, and they sound cohesive. That is generally speaking what the mastering process is all about. When you have a collection of songs, you want them to sound like they belong together as a cohesive body of work. And we use EQ and compression and limiting are the three main tools that we use in mastering to make all of that happen. Okay. So that's what it is. And then the next question is, well, now that we know what mastering is, okay, Dave, that's great. Do I really need to master my music? In other words, if I'm recording in my home studio, do I really need to master my music? Can I just mix it and send it out? Why would I master it? Or why should I master it beyond the sonic characteristics of it to make it sound cohesive, as I just mentioned? Well, the answer to that is yes and no. It really kind of depends. And the year 2020, when is when this podcast is being recorded, the way music is distributed and released today um, is vastly different than, say, what it was 20 years ago. Uh, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even in the 90s, a lot of times, you know, artists would release an album, right? A full CD, a collection of songs. Um, and you'd go out and you'd buy the full album. Where today, a lot of artists are releasing singles. The way music is consumed today um, on the internet um, is, you know, through iTunes and Spotify and Pandora and those kinds of places, things are released one song at a time. People download a lot of times one song at a time. They get their favorite artist, a new number one single, come on, they buy that single. They don't buy the whole CD. They don't buy the records for you that are old enough like me to know what a record actually is, a physical record. So you ask yourself, well, do I really need to master? Outside of just getting the volume up to a commercial level, which we'll talk about in a bit, do I really need to master? And the answer to that question again is yes or no. If you're only going to release a single or you're only releasing one track at a time, does it have to go through the quote unquote mastering process? Not necessarily. If you're going to release a traditional body of work, then yes, I would say you absolutely want to have it mastered. Now the question will then become, well, do I, should I master the music myself or should I send it out to a mastering engineer? What are the pros and cons of doing it yourself? Well, again, this all really depends on your, your personal situation. A lot of people that are going to be listening to this particular podcast are home studio record, home recording musicians that are um, writing and recording their own music, or maybe their band's music or their friend's music. They're not doing it at a, at a, at a pro commercial level. And therefore, they may be releasing one or two songs at a time, or maybe even an EP worth of songs. And there may not even be the budget to have a mastering engineer master your music. Can you master it yourself? You can absolutely master it yourself. Um, so the advantage to having um, a mastering engineer master your music as opposed to doing it yourself is a couple of different things. One, uh, a mastering engineer that's truly a true mastering engineer, professional mastering engineer, is going to have a heck of a lot more experience than you probably do, the artist and the person recording your own music in your home studio. Um, and they know what to listen for. They are a second set of ears, if you will, that are not close to the music like you are. And they can give you an outside perspective on the way it should sound sonically. Um, they also, a lot of times, a mastering engineer, if they're a good mastering engineer, they will have a tuned room or, or mastering mixing environment to make sure that they can accurately hear what's going on inside of your mix to make the best EQ and compression moves and decisions to make your music sound as good as it possibly can. 
Now, that's not to say that you can't do it yourself, and you should try to do it yourself so you can get to understand the mastering process, so to speak. But having a second set of ears, if you will, on your music is always a great idea. So I recommend that if you can afford a mastering engineer, that you should try it at least and see. Maybe master the song yourself in your, in your DAW, in your home studio, and then maybe also have that song, one song mastered by a mastering engineer, and you can compare the difference to see you know, what are the benefits to it? So there's lots of benefits to hiring a mastering, mastering engineer. However, if you don't have the budget to do so, or again, if you're only going to release one song at a time, and let's say you're just going to put it on your band's website, you're not selling the music commercially or anything like that. Does it really need to be mastered? Uh, and it doesn't really need to be mastered. And you may say, well, why Dave, why doesn't it need to be mastered? Um, if most commercial music is mastered, why don't I need to master it? Well, here's the way I kind of look at when we talk about a single track, mixing, recording and mixing and mastering one single, one iTunes, you know, $1.29 single that we're going to release. When I'm mixing a song and the way I teach my students to mix is the end of my mix is as close, is really quote unquote the master, meaning I don't leave anything for the mastering process when I'm doing one track, with the exception of using some limiting to bring up the overall volume level to a commercial, uh, you know, acceptance, which we'll talk about as part of the uh, the mailbag this week. Um, outside of that, from an EQ and a compression point of view, my mix is the final master. I don't want to have any EQ and compression done after the fact on a single track. So therefore, I don't necessarily need to um, master a single track. My mix is my master with the exception of limiting, which we'll talk about in a minute. Okay, so think of it that way. So if you're mixing one single, your mix should sound as close to the final product as humanly possible. That's the goal, okay? So that's that's kind of a way to think about mastering. So now that you know what mastering is, and now that we know, you know what are the advantages to using a mastering engineer um, versus the advantages to maybe doing it yourself, meaning, Number one, you'll save a lot of money doing it yourself. Number two, if, you're, if your mix is really the final master, you kind of mastered it when you mixed it. Let me tell you what mastering is not. And here's a big misconception, and here's something that I hear a lot, especially from beginners or people who are just, don't, just aren't in the know yet. They're learning, which is fine. That's what this podcast is all about. Mastering is not a process to fix a bad mix. I'm going to say that again slowly. The mastering process is not a tool to fix a poorly mixed song, okay? Just like mixing is not a tool to fix a bad recording, which we'll talk about in another episode down the road, okay? Sometimes I hear a lot, well, we'll just fix it at mastering, or more commonly, oh, we could just fix that in the mix. That You wanna do that as little as humanly possible. That is not the right way to be thinking about the mastering process or thinking even about the mixing process. So mastering isn't a way to make your mix sound head and shoulders better than the mix itself. Mastering is only about the last 10% of the process, if you will. The mix has to be solid. Well, let's step back. The recording has to be solid. The playing has to be solid. The recording has to be solid. The mix has to be solid. And the mastering is just gonna put that final sheen on the mix. That's all it's really going to do. Maybe using a little EQ and compression that you can do on the master bus in your mixing stage. That's why I say the final mix is really kind of the master. And so mastering is not a way to fix a bad mix. If you have a bad mix and send it to a mastering engineer, it's not going to come back sounding like a great mix. It's going to come back like a bad mix that has a little bit of sheen on the top. Okay. So I hope that makes sense. So 
Make sure you understand, if you're not happy with the way your mix sounds at the end of the mixing process, mastering is probably not gonna fix that, okay? It's not gonna fix that. It may make it a little louder. It may make the whole mix sound a little brighter or maybe a little bit low, a little bit more low end in it because we can turn up a little bit of bass EQ, a little bit of high end EQ in the mastering process. But if you don't like the balance, you don't like the clarity, you don't like the separation in a mix, mastering is not gonna fix that process, okay? So when you're working on your music in your home studio and you get to that mixing stage, treat your final mix like it was the master, okay? And now we'll talk about, in a second, we'll talk about limiting and raising up that overall volume is part of, you know, how do you make it so it sounds as loud as the other stuff that you hear on the radio so when you, you don't have to, you know, crank up your volume dial when your song comes on the radio if you're so lucky, okay? So that is basically what the mastering process is all about and whether or not you need to master your music in your home studio. Once again, it is totally dependent upon your certain circumstances, but as I said, if you have an opportunity to ever have a real mastering engineer master one of your mixes, then I would recommend that you at least try it just so you can hear the difference. And then there are tons of uh, ways to learn how to master your own music in your home studio. And I have a course right at homerecordingmadeeasy.com called Mastering Made Easy. So you could go check that out after you're done listening to this episode. So now that we've talked about what mastering is and whether or not you need to master your music in your home studio, let's get on over to this week's mailbag and answer a couple of questions. Okay, this is the part of the show where this is the, the mailbag. Every week we're going to answer a couple of questions from the mailbag. These are questions that have come in through YouTube, through email over the last week or so. And as they pertain to this uh, episode topic, I'm going to try to answer some questions from the mailbag. So this week, question number one in this week's mailbag is, comes from Tom Bowman. Tom asks, how loud should my mix be prior to sending it to mastering? That's a very good question, Tom. Thanks for writing in. So my general guidelines for how loud your final mix should be is let's take a step back. So when we talk a little bit about gain staging, we talk about setting up our mix prior to mixing. I always teach my students, you wanna be on their master fader before you put any plugins, any processing on, somewhere around a negative 10, negative 12 dB. So when you're recording into your DAW, you wanna be recording at a conservative level so you don't have any individual tracks going about a negative 10 dB, okay? So you're starting off your mix collectively a cumulative effect of all your recorded tracks around a negative 10, 10 to 12 on your master bus. By the end of that mix, by the time you're adding EQ and compression and saturation and blah, 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 you're gonna end up somewhere around the negative six, negative eight dB. And that's kind of my target. When I end my mix, when I'm completely done, and I'm done my mastering, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes for people who can't see this, um, at the end of my mix, I'm somewhere around the negative six. Okay, negative six gives the mastering engineer or the mastering process enough headroom to be able to bring up that overall volume level. And if there's any additional EQ and compression that needs to be done, again, if we're talking about mastering a collection of work, a body of work, several songs where there's ultimately gonna be some sculpting that's gonna be done during the mastering process as we talked about in the prior segment, um, I wanna give that mastering engineer enough headroom. So I'm gonna give them about six dB of headroom. If I'm just mastering my one song inside of my DAW, my final mix is my master, then I'm just gonna put a limiter on, on the post of the master fader. 
and I'm going to set my master. Um, my master is going to start off at about a negative six is what I'm trying to say. So prior to adding limiting, we're going to be right around a negative six. Okay. So that is where I would end my mix before the mastering process, no matter what that process is, whether you're sending off to a mastering engineer or whether you're mastering it yourself inside of your, your edit and your record uh, session, because it's a single track, negative six is a good guideline. Okay. So thanks Tom for writing in. Question number two uh, for this week in the mailbag is, hi, Dave, what is your opinion on the loudness wars? How loud do I make my final, how loud should my final mix be on the master bus? This comes from Jake Cabral. Well, Jake, great question thing. I think I understand what you mean. So kind of just uh, maybe taking a step further from the question before from Tom, now that we have our mix start, our master process starting in a right around a negative six at the end of our final mix, how loud should the should the final master be? Well, again, there's a debate. There's you know there's you talk to ten different engineers and you're going to get ten different answers. I personally like my final mix to be again a little bit more conservative. I as far as the loudness wars go, which basically means make the mix as loud as it possibly can be and slam it up to a 0.1 negative 0.1 dB of its life and, and and squash it as much as humanly possible right before that digital distortion. I don't believe in that. I believe having my final master for most music styles to be right around a negative half dB. So what does that mean? So on my limiter that I add to my master bus as I'm doing my quote unquote again, I'm just doing air quotes once again, mastering, I'm setting the ceiling of that plugin to about a negative half a dB. And what's that gonna do? And I'm gonna turn, gonna turn up my, uh, my volume level there on my, on my limiter until I'm just about hitting that negative half dB, and maybe you see the little gain reduction meter, maybe just, just turn it on a little bit, just clipping just a little bit, just to kind of squash it down. And that's really it. I wanna to try to retain most of the dynamics in my mixes. Again, now if you're doing real thrash and heavy hard rock music, real heavy stuff where commercial releases are, are again, are, are, are as loud as they can possibly be, well, and you wanna compete in that market, then you may wanna be a little bit louder. But for most popular music, rock, country, blues, those kinds of things, pop, um, a negative half dB I find still is loud enough to compete with most commercial releases, but you're not getting to where I'm over, over, um, you know, over slamming it against the brick wall limiter. So that's what I like to do. So if you use a negative half dB as kind of your guideline, you're going to be fine. You can always go a touch louder. You can always go a touch quieter, but I find the negative half dB is pretty, a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid, um, goal and target. And, uh, and I've been doing that for years and I've never had a client send me back a mix or a master, a final product and say, it's not loud enough. And again, always using reference tracks and the style of music that you're actually mixing to will also help you determine how loud should the mix, the master be to compete with a commercial release. So Jake, thank you so much for writing in and thanks. And that's, that's it for this week's, uh, uh, this week's mailbag. So now I want to give you guys a couple of free gifts. Again, I said at the very beginning of the episode, stick around because I want to give you a couple of free things for listening to this podcast, especially this is our number one, our first episode ever. And I hope you guys enjoy it. So the first thing I want to mention to you is please uh, subscribe uh, to my to this podcast. We're going to be doing a weekly uh, release, a weekly show, and also leave a review if you would be so kind, no matter where you're listening to this on, if you're listening to on Spotify or iTunes or any of these other multiple 
platforms. This podcast is going to go out on at least five or six of the most popular platforms. So if you're listening, please leave me a, a, a positive review. It would help me out a lot. I would really appreciate it. You can also leave some comments and let me know what you think about it and what topics you may want to uh, hear about. And I can try to incorporate that into future episodes. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to say to you is if you've never heard of Home Recording Made Easy and you've stumbled across this podcast, I want to say welcome to my uh, Home Recording Made Easy family. And I want to invite you to go to homerecordingmadeeasy.com. Once again, that's homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And I want to give you five free mixing training courses. That's right. Five free courses worth a couple of hundred bucks. It's my gift to you just for visiting my website, homerecordingmadeeasy.com. I have a ton of training on recording, mixing, and yes, mastering. Check it out on homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And now, because you've also are now listening to my podcast and I so much appreciate it, I also want to give you a 30% discount coupon code to use at homerecordingmadeeasy.com. So get out a pen. The coupon code is podcast30. Podcast, one word, 30. That is going, use that at checkout. You can take 30% off any one of the training courses at homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And because of this week's topic mastering, there is a course, Mastering Made Easy, which covers even more in depth than what I can possibly talk about here on the podcast. You can get Mastering Made Easy 30% off just by using Podcast 30. So once again, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this first episode of the Home Recording Made Easy podcast. Again, give me a like, give me the thumbs up, give me a positive review if you would, you'd be so kind. And be sure to come back next week where we're going to have another topic around home studio gear, mixing, mastering, recording, and even the home studio business in future episodes. Episode. So thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate your support and I will hear and see you next week. Take care, everybody.